so there's, uh, this is going to be a party. This is a great day. Um, so uh, let me pray. Uh, I just feel like uh, we got to pray, and uh, then we'll ask God to, sorry, ushers, you're in the middle of it, and I didn't think through that very well. So let's pray anyway. Uh, Lord, uh, please accept our gifts here as we're doing, uh, as we're taking an offering or giving an offering. And uh, Lord, for these uh, few minutes that we have, would you, uh, would you be glorified? Would you be honored? Lord, I, just, I, I don't know what that, I have that picture of you on the throne and just that, that picture of you being pleased you being honored by our worship and our love for you. Uh, you looking, looking at this time and saying, these people do love me, and I am going to bless them with my presence. I'm going to bless them with my kingdom. We pray these things, God, over these few moments we have. Amen. So VBS was a, a great week. I'm going to move this up for obvious reasons. Um, an incredible time, and uh, I think one of the things is, as we come through those, uh, those days, I don't think there's a bigger buzz out there than being in the place where God is moving, actively moving, actively stirring hearts. There's no greater buzz, there's no greater rush than watching him move and, and change lives. And Freshwater, the, the, the name comes from a passage in Ezekiel 47, this vision of God's presence, which was freshwater, coursing through this wilderness and the Dead Sea and, and changing everything. It brings life. His presence brings life, it brings healing, it brings food. It, it, it literally transforms the landscape and, and the people around, everything that his presence touches. That's, that's fresh water. It's a movement of God. That's, that's the way God has named us. And uh, as we think about what God has been doing here these past days and, and our story, there's a, there's a story where in Deuteronomy, God has pulled Israel out of Exodus. He's just done these incredible miracles that we talk about, you know, the, the, you know, the, the 12 plagues or whatever, or 10 plagues, 12 plagues. Is it 12? It's 12, right? I just, no, it's 10. Yeah, I need... Sorry, it's been VVS week. I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to stick to my notes. I'm not going to look up. I'm just going to read them. There's this story in Deuteronomy 6. Um, Deuteronomy 6, they're about ready to go into land, and God says, look, before you go into the land, these are my final words to you. This is it. You've got to remember this before you go in. So if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to Deuteronomy 6. These few words, it's interesting. He's like, now before, right? This is the commandment. This is what I want you to know as you go into the land. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1, he says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me, this is Moses talking, to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you're going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons. By keeping his statutes and commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. 
here's this famous verse. Hear, O Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them on as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes or frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you didn't build and houses full of good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. God comes in here, and there's a couple different things going on as, as he starts to talk to them. And, and I just want to talk about these real quickly here before we move into these, the baptism side of this. He first of all reminds them that they're not just a nation. They're actually the people of God. They're his people. Their existence wasn't some random thing. He's the one that rescued them out of slavery. He's the one that's given them promise after promise to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. He worked miracles. He did supernatural things for them. And he reminds them, look, I'm not done. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep acting on behalf of you. And I think as we talk about it today and what, what does this look like for us, we're the people of God. That's the church. The church is the people of God. And God isn't done working. And what he wants is for us as his people to be marked by him. So that when people come into our lives and into our church, they would say, wow, God's there. That's the people of God. You go to that place, you go to that family, you go to that church, and you're going to find God there. And he wants our lives to be marked by his presence, by his blessing, by his favor. He wants us to have these stories where we get all these things that we don't deserve that's piling up in our lives. That's just who God is. So he says, you are my people. Don't forget that. And then he says, and I want you to remember this, to love and obey me. Keep my law. Keep my standard. He says this, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And these words I command you. Make them on your heart. Put them on your heart in verse 4. And he gives a warning, which is interesting. It's this, it's this call to live a life of discipline, self-control, where we are, we are focused on loving him and living for him. And it comes with this warning because what happens when God's people start to love and follow him is prosperity comes. It just does. Because when you live according to God's ways, it happens. Now, I'm not saying it's a million dollars. I'm just saying God's word promises this over and over again. There is a blessing that comes from obedience. There is. 
You find it all over the word. And, and, and we kind of get the heebie-jeebies when we start talking this way because there's churches out there that go so far and just say, oh, yeah, that means, you know, you're never going to get sick. And that means you're just going to be wealthy all the days. Uh, prosperity is, is not about just health, and it's not about wealth, right? It's so much richer and so much greater. It's not that cheap. It's far greater than that. But there's a blessing and a prosperity. It comes, and what happens is, as, as that prosperity comes from his presence and being a part of his kingdom, you end up forgetting how you started and where this all began. And he warns them. He says, look, you've got to remember this because you're going you're gonna to enter this land where you're going to find all this blessing and all this prosperity, and you're going to forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of slavery. And there's a warning for us. Don't forget where you started. Don't forget what God did for you. Don't move past it. Don't let your love grow, grow cold, right? Don't start, you know, it's the old, you know, backsliding, you know, that, that kind of thing where you, you start to slide and slip away from devotion and love. And then he gives this challenge He gives a challenge to the parents, and he says this, as you go, right, teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting down, when you're walking, when you're lying down, when you rise up. Bind them on your hand. Put them between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and the gates. And some people literally went that far. It's not the point of putting them between your eyes. It's putting it inside your eyes, right? Like in the brain, like make this who you are. And what he does here is he calls the parents and the nation to raise up the next generation of those who would follow him. The passage is first specifically to parents. As you go in life, pull Christ in. You can't farm this one out. You can't give this one away. No one else is responsible like a parent is for the spiritual direction they lead their children. No one else is. Not the government, not the schools, not daycare, not Marvel movies, Nickelodeon, Fortnite. They're not going to lead our kids to discover the power of God. They just won't. It's on parents. It's on me. It's on you. Right on the way to school, at home, at family reunions. And I just want to challenge you parents just real quick. How focused is your plan? How sharp is that vision of God and, and your, your desire and plan to pass that on. It's directly connected. You saw that video, how many walk away. And there's this vision God has of, he says here, of your son's son's son, or your daughter's daughter's daughter. And while the primary responsibility lies with parents, there is this y'all to this command, right? He's writing this to the entire nation. 
And God gave them as a nation a call to pass on this legacy of faith. To not forget and to pass it on generation after generation. And I want to just briefly tell this, this story of where we were even 16 years ago as a church. Because when my wife and I came to interview, our daughter, who was two at the time, was the only one her age in her class. She had uh, Persis Currents as her teacher, one-on-one. That's what I'm talking about. There was 12 kids total, 12 years and under, 12. This church had lost an entire generation. And when we got here, I'm looking at it going, hmm, my wife and I are looking at this going, and then we discovered the people that were left were fed up. And they were tired of it. And they said, we will do whatever it takes. And they had already been praying. And this church, which lost a generation, began to pray. And I remember our prayer meetings. We were actually, we were praying, Lord, would you trust this church again with children? Because God took that generation away. This church lost the right because of all the conflict and the fighting that had been happening for 20 years. And these people got on their knees and they started to pray, God, would you trust us again with kids? And as I was preparing this message, I was walking out here in the foyer and in here and then, you know, Thursday night and just watching how many kids were here. We cannot forget how quickly that could happen, folks. And one of the things I loved about this last week is that people fought for love and for unity. I know, I know these weeks that people grade on each other. We annoy each other. There's things that you do that just annoy me, and there's things I do that annoy you. And what do we do? We go, well, God bless Scott. He needs some help. Right? I mean, you look at it and go, we look at, we look at Christ and you go, no, for you, for your kingdom, for these kids. And we work together and we fight for unity and love and, and this legacy. You look at what's happened in 16 years, folks. You go from 12 kids to over 180 on an average night. That's what God can do. And I don't want us to forget it. This was hard fought for. This was, this was a lot of people on their knees crying out for years. And, and the vision we have is not that we raise up some good boys and girls. I don't, I don't want good boys and girls. Like, that's just lame. Why would you do that? I mean, have you read this? Like he's, this is, God is dangerous. And he calls his people to, to train up their kids, to follow this God who's so powerful. I mean, he shook the mountains and they're all together worshiping God. Israel is, and they all fall on their faces before God. That's, I mean, he's just awesome. Story after story. He appears to kids and gives them visions and says, hey, this is my plan for you. He appears to teenagers and said, I'm going to make you a king. Right? He appears to a young woman and says, you're going to have the Savior of the world as your baby. Like, he doesn't just say, hey, oh, no, wait till you're 36 and 45. He comes to them when they're kids. That's the kind of God I want my kids to grow up knowing. 
go travel the world and tell people about Christ. Yeah, go to dangerous places. It's worth it. It is. He's worth it. I mean, when you read the story of these disciples, the 11 that were left, all of them who ran in the garden, right? And then they meet Jesus after he's raised from the dead. And all 11 of them end up spending the rest of their life walking and moving and running towards danger to share Christ. And 10 of them who ran in the beginning ended up standing in the middle of persecution and dying, a martyr's death. You read about the church and how God came on these people with power, the Holy Spirit. When they believed and confessed that Jesus is Lord, that happens to kids. I, I don't want just good boys and girls. I want, good, I want boys and girls and students who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who walk out of these doors going, let's, let's get it on. Let's do something. I don't want them just sucking air. What are you living for, right? There's so much more. And that's God's call is don't forget who I am. Don't forget what I've done and what I want to do. And we as a church, that's our call. To lead these students and children to find this Savior who's so amazing. Who not only forgives them, but gives them a calling on their life to live for him. And it's one of the reasons, as we play that video up there, we're doing this Pray For Me campaign. We've never done it before. It's coming here in August. We want to see every one of our children and students paired up with somebody that is praying for them weekly, multiple times a week. It's a commitment. But can you imagine if a whole body got together to partner with mom and dad. We can't be mom and dad. Mom and dad is mom and dad, but a church can come alongside mom and dad and say, we'll pray. And can you imagine a whole church praying for kids? We can. That could start a movement of God. That's what we, that's what we see. That's our dream. And so this morning, what's happening this morning is part of this vision of us as a church raising up this next generation. Beth had this, she's heard, you know, students were, you know, coming to Christ. And then it's, it's like, well, when do, you, when do you get them baptized and how does this work? And so she's like, look, we got to offer a class. And so they, the last six weeks here in, the, in spring, they had a six-week class where fifth and sixth graders went through and, under, and talked about what baptism was. And this morning, we have a number of those students who are going to be baptized, who are going to stand up here and say, I love Christ, and I want everybody to know it. And baptism is simply this. Baptism is a, two sides to it. One, it is a metaphor of Christ's death and resurrection. Christ was crucified, buried, and then raised to life. For our justification. We're going through Romans right now, talking about that, our salvation. Baptism, you come in and, and you go under the water, crucified, dead to the old life, buried, and you come out raised in newness of life. And we believe the act itself is, is you know, does that. It's, it's what's already been happening inside and what's already been decided. And so baptism is an identification with Christ, believing that his death, burial, resurrection was for me, and I want everybody to see that I identify with Christ. But then it's also the public declaration that says, I am not ashamed of Christ Jesus. I want everyone to know this. And that's what these students are going to be doing here over the next few minutes.
And so we're going to transition into this, but this is going to be a party now. This is, this is where it gets fun, and, and we're going to show videos, uh, testimonies, and then I think actually have them. We're, we're changing this up a little bit because our technology wasn't playing nice. So some of you parents who are coming up here to baptize uh, kids, we're going to actually show all the testimonies first. I'm just catching up to speed because this all happened, which is what technology does to you. Um, so we're going to show all the video clips, and then we're just going to baptize after that. Is that cool? It'd be good for all the dads. And that's one of the cool things. You'll see parents up here baptizing their kids. And, and we're big fans uh, of empowering mom and dad to be the spiritual leader. You don't have to have a pastor do it. Some people like to have a pastor do it. Fine, doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we're seeing people say yes to Christ. So uh, check out, uh, we're, we're good, right? I'm looking at Jake, and he's nowhere to be found. I think we're good. All right, we're good? Jamie's going to stand in for Jake and say, do it. So uh, let's, let's play these videos. These are videos of the students who have been giving their testimonies. And uh, from then, then we'll come up here and, and, and do the baptism. So check